Hi, my name's Gabrielle. Welcome to the Coach Space podcast. Today I'm speaking with Monair Renoir Vanna. And Monair is a coach who helps expats, global citizens, uh, people. So um, she helps them establish themselves in uh, the new country that they're living in, the, co- the country they've chosen to live in, whether that's for their career, um, for love, or or just because. And I've discovered recently that there are some people, there are lots of people actually, who move around a lot. And since I came to Madrid, I've met quite a few people who, for them, moving to Madrid or Spain is their second, their third, or even their fourth global move. And I want to know who are these people? I want to understand what's driving them to move around so much. And actually, we have someone here who is one of those people. Her name's Monair. I've just introduced her. So hello, Monair. Hello, Gabrielle. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Hi. So um, I know a little bit about your background, but I'd just like to start with, you know, the why. Why why do you do what you do? Um, And where did it come? Where did did it all start? Where did your wanderlust come come from? Well, you know, that's a good question because I realized that being a global citizen, the way I define it, was something that I cultivated relatively early, early, even before I stepped on a plane and got my passport and decided to leave the country. I am an American and I grew up in three U.S. East Coast states. So by the time I was 14, even then, when people would ask me, so Monair, where are you from? Where are you from? I could never give a clear cut answer that was truthful for me. And that didn't pull me down some rabbit hole of telling my whole life story. So that was the one aspect that I personally had experiences to move around a lot within the United States. Uh And then there was also another element. I attended a, a preschool, a kindergarten, and lived in an environment where there was a lot of cultural and linguistic diversity. And so beginning at a very young age, I was about three or four years old, and I was watching uh, Sesame Street on television, and then I was going to preschool, and I went to a preschool where there were a lot of children who spoke Spanish. So in the U.S., the children are introduced to Spanish on Sesame Street. So I made the link that what I'm learning on seeing on Sesame Street, that's what these children are speaking in my preschool. (laughs) So I was inspired to learn more about their language and more about their culture and learn more about them because I I felt like there was a wall between us. And now I I understood later that that wall was language. And I felt like well, there's no reason for us to have walls because we all just want to play and have fun. So for me, um, becoming a global citizen was really more about living out this, this joy of experiencing and enjoying the interconnectedness of all cultures and people. Yeah. And so that's what led me to take the leap abroad as yeah. a 17-year-old. And I spent my senior of high school in Berlin, Germany at the time. And uh-huh. Then while I was in Germany, I also had to take a foreign language. So I took also French and uh, came back to the States and started my university degree in Washington, D.C. And my university was a university right in the middle of Washington that was sandwiched between the U.S. Department of State, 
the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund. Wow. So the students that I studied with were also from all different parts of the world. Uh -huh. And so I had the opportunity to, again, experience this beauty and this joy and this richness of the interconnectedness of people. And wow. so when people would ask me again, Monair, so where are you, where are you from? Uh, it was like, oh God, this question again, that I can never really <laughs> answer. So I would, I'd say I'm an American, and then they would say, but, but, but where? And then, you know, what, what, what do I tell them? Which state? Do I tell them Massachusetts? Do I tell them Pennsylvania? Do I tell them New Jersey? <laughs> and at the end of the day, does it really matter? Yeah, yeah. No. No. But, yeah, so, so you worked out early on that, you know, we're all people, uh, and that language can be a barrier, and you were just so curious about people and making connections with people. That, that drove you to learn all these different languages and move to new countries and just experience people. Yes, that was really my motivation. Mm -hmm. And so while I was in, at the university, I, I hung out, I realized also, and this is what sparked my, my work, is that I realized that people who had this kind of experience, who had lived in multiple cultures and multiple languages and multiple environments, those were the people that I felt most drawn to and most connected to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people who had not had those experiences, I felt foreign, even if we had probably lived in one of the, one of the same cities or one of the same towns or we shared the same passport. I felt like I was, I felt that that was foreign for me. So that's what led me to study international relations that was my degree and I focused on I focused on economics and and communications and then during my university studies I spent my I spent a year in Madrid so I probably um quite I, I really miss Madrid and I look forward to getting back this so I can appreciate your love for Madrid mm -hmm. and after I finished my studies I, I I worked in international environments where I worked in consulting firms that were advising international companies how to do business in the US. And when I had vacation, I was always traveling somewhere else. And for me, it was much easier and seemed much more interesting to travel outside of the US than travel within the United States. So, and I traveled a lot by myself at that time. Yes. And so I was always in situations where I would go out to restaurants by myself, go out to the movies by myself, mm -hmm. go out to by myself but I was never by myself because there were always people around yeah yeah it was exciting and interesting to connect with people on all these different levels and all these different environments so yeah. so that's what sparked my my degree and ultimately led me back to Germany uh, mm -hmm. back in 2000 yeah November 2000 yeah. And I've been living now here in Cologne for the last 19 years and counting with my wonderful husband and soul mm -hmm. brother and friend Hans for the last 16 years of yes. my 19 years here in Cologne. But I spent those three years figuring it out, mm -hmm. figuring out what that meant to be not just as a student or on a business trip or on vacation, but really saying, okay, this is where I've chosen to live for yeah, four with a question mark. Okay. Okay, do I go? Yeah, yeah. And really building my life. Yes. Uh, well, you said something earlier, and it just made me realize that there is a state of mind that people like you, I'm not saying because I, I don't think I'm one of them, <laughs> to be honest. 
although I live in Madrid, it's my first and probably my only global move. Um, but you seem to have a state of mind that's very different. But when you meet those other people who have the same state of mind, you just click. And I think this is the whole, this is one of the most powerful things I think about your coaching is that um, you, res you resonate with those other people. And you don't, have to, you don't have to explain anything. It's like you don't have to explain where you come from and go into a massive long story about it. People just get it. And, and I think that's what, that, what's, that is what makes your coaching really powerful. So um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how you help clients who are trying to um, not just survive in the new country, but thrive. Yes. What, what's the, what kind of typical scenarios people come up, come to you with? Well, people usually come to me when they've reached maybe the second or really the third or the fourth phase of the acculturation process. And the, the, the acculturation process is really these phases that we go through when we're, we're exploring a new opportunity, we're excited, we, we have the, it's an adventure, and we, we take this opportunity with, 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 with eager hands and an open heart. And that was also true for me. I came back to, to, to Germany. I came back to Cologne in 2000 because I actually was offered a job opportunity. I was living in New York and I was, I was working in New York and I was living in New Jersey. So, and I was presented with a job opportunity to come back to Germany. Now I had lived in Berlin and I visited and knew most German cities, but I'd never been to Cologne. Mm -hmm. So, that was something that was adventurous, but I thought, okay, well, you know, I know the culture, I know the language, you know, I'll figure it out and then decide whether or not I want to be, whether I want to make this my permanent home. Yeah. And I think that's true for the people who are, who are my, who the clients that come to me, they've, they've experienced um, international living before. They've, they've lived in other cultures and, and they come to, uh, they're at this stage of their journey when they meet up with me, there's the romantic phase of, oh, you know, this is exciting. This will be a great adventure. And then there's an awareness that they have the intercultural skill set necessary to, to integrate. So they feel like they can just plug and play relatively uh -huh. simply. And they don't anticipate that every intercultural move has its own acculturation process. Right. So they're shocked when they discover that they too go through that period of culture shock mm -hmm. and then they withdraw, you know, first it was the greatest decision they could have ever made. And then it's the worst decision that they've ever made. <laughs> and then, and then depending upon the circumstances, if they've come with a partner or if they've come with, with, with a job opportunity, then they begin, then, then their performance begins to suffer or their, their, romantic relationship begins to suffer because they don't know who they are anymore. Mm. Now this, this has nothing to do with language. A lot of people attribute that, well, you know, I'm learning the language, I'm learning the culture, you know, I have to navigate the, the bureaucracy. Of course, this is difficult. Yeah. When I went through this myself, when I came back, when I came back to Germany, when I came to Cologne, I didn't have any of those things as an excuse. Yeah. I spoke fluent German. The bureaucracy had been taken care of for me. My employer had organized all of my paperwork, my permits, and I mean, the German bureaucracy has a, a certain, uh, 
yeah, it has its own reputation. I can't tell you today how any of that works because all <laughs> of that was taken care of for me. I had my own apartment. I was in the center of the center of a city. It was a relatively larger city, so I wasn't in some small village, some quaint small village like maybe the Sound of Music. <laughs> I was in the middle of a, of a cultural, uh, a thriving cultural city, and still I had challenges because, and this is what I learned and discovered for myself, and this is what I'm able, how I'm able to help my clients, that we have been programmed to live a life. At least I find that. Many of us are socialized to really think primarily about our work. Uh -huh. We see ourselves as working beings and not necessarily human beings. And so what happens is we build our lives around our work and we neglect the other seven key, actually really seven key dimensions in my framework that I work my clients through. And career and work is only, a, is only one of seven. Gosh. So if we're not cultivating all those other areas, then we could have the bureaucracy worked out. We could, we could, be, we could be overachievers in the workplace. Mm. But if those other areas are not cultivated in, in ways that are meaningful for us, we, you know, we, we run the risk of falling into situations of depression. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know why. Mm -hmm. Life is good. We have this great job. We have this great experience. We're living abroad. Maybe people who who know us or are connected with us, they see those attributes and they think, well, you know, you have everything you want. What do you, why, why do you still seem so, you know, a little depressed or down? And then people don't understand us because it looks good on the outside, mm -hmm. but we know that on the inside, we, we feel like they're just, you know, I, I compare it to, a, you know, a table with seven chairs. And, you know, if, if you're just focusing on your career, that means you have seven chairs. And so you're only standing on one leg then. <laughs> and all the other six legs are wobbly or maybe even missing. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're outdated and they're not serving you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. where when people come, when people come to me, they're in that place and they, they, you know, they, you know, and then there's this challenge of, well, if you're not cultivating the other areas of your life, you don't, you're not really fully engaging with the world as who you are, mm. which is maybe what you've done in your home country, but you're mm. trying to figure out how you do that here in this new environment. So you feel like you're not yourself. So you feel like you've lost your identity. Yeah, that's essentially it. Uh, yeah, what you've said there resonates so powerfully. I can't tell you. And yeah, the whole thing about working beings we, you know, the work takes up most of our life and then you move to a new country, but then you have to pay attention to those other areas, which you don't have to think about when you're at home in your home country or the country you've been living in before for God knows how many years. You can't just pick up everything and transplant everything exactly as it was in a new country. It doesn't work like that, which I'm just beginning to realize. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, art. it's an art and a science. Yeah, it's an art and a science, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think what you're offering or what you offer is, is really, really valuable. And it's actually, it's, until you know that there is someone out there that can support you in this, um, I mean, you're very alone because you, you can't talk to your friends, 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 because they're not the, they don't have the mindset that you have anyway, um, necessarily. 
and also they don't yeah they 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 see you as maybe on holiday like you've moved away to a new country you must be having a it's like a holiday right <laughs> traveling you're traveling no no I'm not, I'm not traveling i've moved to a new country so it's difficult you, you feel very cut off and alone and there's there's no one who really gets it and right. until you meet someone like you who's like oh thank god it's it's such a relief and to have someone who can who who's been through all of that and and knows you know there's these strategies you can put together and there's you've got to think about it in a different way you think about it like this and if you do this you know and work on it everything could can work out really well so Definitely. i'd like to kind of finish off with what what could that really look like you know what could, what could it look like for me What's, how amazing is my life going to be when I've got this all sorted out? Well, Gabrielle, your life is going to be amazing when you're <laughs> all these different components because what, what I've discovered for myself is that, first of all, we have these seven key areas, and I'm going to, just going to run them down. There are the, there's the spiritual dimension. There's the, there's the personal development goals. There are the relationship area, and then there's the career business goals, and then there's financial health, free time, family, fun, and play, and creativity. Oh, gosh. So we have I all those seven areas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we forget the fun. We forget, yeah. the, forget the play. So on top of that, there is a, there are, there's a basket of skills and competencies that you learn when you're basically reinventing yourself. And uh, those I, it's a I call it a resilient practice, and it, it encompasses our, our physical, our emotional, and our mental. So the, those are the four. Mm -hmm. And then there are different disciplines that you look at in terms of resilience, because resilience has been, is arguably one of the most success facts, uh, most significant skill sets that are critical for success when you're navigating a new situation. Now, Resilience is typically described as something that when you're reacting to a series of unfortunate events. And I decided that that's, or I've discovered for myself and with working with my clients that there's another way that you can take a look at that. Right. You can actually look at that as something that's proactive and not reactive. Ah. So that even when those different twists and turns of life show up, you have certain structures and frameworks and relationships in place that even though the unexpected may knock the wind out of you for a minute, it doesn't, you're, you're at much less of a risk of falling into that situational depression that I talked about earlier. Right, so it's not that those, these things aren't going to happen anymore, it's that you can possibly anticipate them and you know that when they do happen, you know how, how, to, how to work through it or you know that it's not the end of the world, you know? <laughs> Is, is, is that kind of thing? Exactly. And you also have certain partnerships in place. Right. So that if something does come up, there are people that you can talk to who can, who can support you through this. Mm. Like for me, initially when I first came to Cologne, all of my friends were my colleagues. I had no personal friends because I was traveling a lot. Exciting career. I was traveling, but I had no personal life. And mm -hmm. so one of the key figures in my life in that beginning phase actually was my neighbor who lived right upstairs from me. 
So when I would come from, from a business trip, I would knock on his door and we would just sit down and we would talk. And I felt like, okay, I, I felt connected. Mm-hmm. I felt connected. And so from that relationship and then uh, developing, you know, deciding to uh, spend time in, in personal and professional development, not even from a perspective of just connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. I had other different relationships and frameworks in place. And I had different circles of friends for different kinds of issues. Uh-huh. So that I was not, I wouldn't go to a person who didn't understand the whole dynamic of global citizenship and acculturation. I knew who to go to. Right. Yeah. So I'm not like going to the hardware store looking to buy a loaf of bread. Because mm-hmm. you won't find it there at the hardware store. <laughs> yeah. So th- these are the skills that, that I support my clients in figuring out what that could look like for them. And now with, with, with um, online relationships, there's an online component to that in terms of figuring out, okay, even if you're in some remote place and you don't have access to people who may fit one of those three areas, there are three areas, three levels of relationships that we work mm. on in that, in that dimension, even if they're not within your immediate vicinity. What are some different online platforms that you can look into and connect mm-hmm. with people on that level if you don't mm-hmm. have anyone within offline? Mm. So there's a number of ways that we can cultivate yeah. kinds of skill okay. sets. So the way I see it is then, is that you bring this awareness of what needs to be managed. Yes. Sometimes we just don't, we're just not aware of, of that stuff and it hits us from, you know, we get a slap on the face metaphorically when things go wrong. Or you have one of those gray moments, right? We have a gray moment. (laughs) I have to tell you about the gray moment just briefly. I had one of what you call a gray moment. And um, it was when I was going to a meeting and uh, I had to take a train from the south of Madrid to the north. And it's a very, very easy journey. It doesn't take very long. So easy, normally. But when I got to the station, I, you know, I paid, I bought my ticket, went onto the platform. And as I was waiting for a train, I noticed that the train wasn't going the full distance, the full journey. And I thought, oh, maybe the next one will go to the, the, to the stop that I want. But then I was, as I was waiting, I saw a poster on the wall, just a small poster. It wasn't even lit up or anything like that. And it was explaining that there was works on the line and I would have to change to a different train and then change again to a different train to get to where I was. But I, I realized that I wouldn't make my meeting on time. And that person couldn't wait because we had only an hour. So there was actually no point in me going to the meeting. And, um, and I was just really annoyed because I was just thinking, why? And, and I went into that whole, you know, blaming the, blaming the country. <laughs> it, was, it was Spain's fault, Madrid's fault. <laughs> Why didn't they put a sign outside of the station? If I'd seen it then, I could have maybe got, got, even got a taxi and I could have got there on time or whatever, but it's too late now and blah, blah, blah. And it's everyone's fault, blah, blah, blah. And then I was, as I was thinking this, I thought, oh, yeah, this is one of those gray moments. And this is what, this is exactly what you're saying is like, you bring this awareness to these things that happen. And that means you can start to manage your response to what's happening and actually do something about it rather than just going to some stupid meltdown for a trivial reason. Right, um, right. And that's so critical, Gabrielle, because if we're not aware of this, we can have a series of events like that. 
Yeah. And then we're on the brink of a situation of depression. Yes. Yes. And because I knew it was one of those grey moments, I kind of started to laugh about it. I thought, oh, I was laughing my head off. Because I was just like, this is so funny. This is exactly what Monet was talking about. And as you say, like, if you had like a series of those back to back, because that could happen, right? Be in a real state, wouldn't you? Yeah, it will push you over the edge. It because push you over the edge. Like, it can push you over the edge because you're already vulnerable. Yes. And it'll be like, oh, when's the next flight back to my home country? It'd be like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. And then you would just like throw, throw in the towel. <laughs> throw in the towel. That's and the miss thing. all the beauty and all the, and all the joy and all the excitement, all the sense of fulfillment of really rebuilding. And it's not even so much rebuilding. It's really integrating all the different parts of yourself. Yeah. into the new person that you're becoming. Yes. Wow. I mean, yeah. So I think that will be a really good place to finish and to, to, to leave people with things to think about, about all the things Definitely. you've said, because there's a lot in there. And uh, I think it's just really so useful. So useful. And it was really nice talking to you. It's um, always a pleasure, Gabrielle. Yeah. And uh, let's, do, let's do another one soon, right? Yes, let's do another one soon. If anyone is interested in figuring out what that might look like for them, a potential next step would be for um, to click on the link. I know you're going to have that in the in the podcast notes. Yes, so the link to your uh, five step reset. Yes, it's a five day yes. reset to give. You know, if if you feel like, oh wow, you know, I don't, I feel like I'm on the verge of, you know, just feeling just really out of feeling like life is happening to me. We get in those moments. You don't have to stay there. There are ways out. And the five-day reset will give you some perspective on that. And then you can hop on a coffee chat with me. And there's a coffee chat opportunity, of course. And yeah, so I'll put the link in the podcast notes so people can download it. And there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of valuable stuff in there to work through. And uh, yeah, so enjoy that. And uh, we'll see you soon. Well, no, okay. we'll see you because it's a podcast, but yeah, okay. All right, see ya.